listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good evening, Raleigh. Welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm Nick Savage, and it's Tuesday, April 3rd. And I'm Jake Langlois, and we thank you for tuning in. This week, we bring you the story of one of impact of one of the Impact Award winners given to students active in their community. In addition, Dave returns with another installment of Poets Corner. But first, let's see what this week's weather looks like. Dave? Hello, and welcome to this week's weather report. Tomorrow, we will have a high of 83 and a low of 59 with a 50% chance of rain tomorrow night. Thursday will be cooler with a high of 60 and a low of 48 and a 30% chance of rain for the evening. Friday will see a high of 62 and a low of 45 with a 30% chance of rain. Saturday will be sunny with a high of 71 and a low of 46. Sunday will go, uh, Sunday is going to be partly cloudy with a high of 75 and a low of 53. And Monday will also be partly cloudy with a high of 75 and a low of 54. That's all for the weather this week. Back to you. Thanks, Dave. Now let's turn to Jake for some news. Thank you, Nick. Clashes and shelling across Syria on Tuesday gave no indication that any let-up in the violence was imminent, despite Monday's promise by the government of President Bashar al-Assad to withdraw its forces from population centers by April 10th. We have seen no evidence today that he is implementing any of those commitments, a State Department spokesperson said. We have been able to verify no withdrawal of mechanized units, which is what he's claiming credit for today. Next, U.S. military investigators may travel as early as this week to the Afghan villages where an American soldier is alleged to have shot and killed 17 civilians last month in a shooting rampage. It would be the first time a visit by U.S. investigators who had been staying away out of respect to the villagers angry about the shooting. The military is coordinating details of the visit with the Afghanis, a U.S. official told CNN. So far, the U.S. Army has been relying on evidence collected by Afghan officials at the two villages. Little forensic evidence may be left, the official said, but American investigators hope to dig out of walls whatever bullets are left and examine their trajectories. Next, the United States is offering as much as $10 million for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Hafiz Mohammad Saeed, a Pakistani man accused of masterminding the 2008 terrorist assault on Mumbai that killed 166 people. The wanted notice announcing the large bounty for Saeed, 62 years old, was posted on the website of the U.S. State Department's Rewards for Justice program late Monday. The program was established in 1984 and has paid some $100 million to more than 70 people for information about terrorists. Reward go as high as $25 million for information on al-Qaeda leader Amiyan al-Zawahiri. Thanks, Jake. Everywhere you look, NC State is full of people with hidden talents. Dave sat down with some students to share their poetry in the latest installment of Poetry Corner. With me today, I have Sierra Golden, and Sierra, if you would just give us a little intro to yourself. Yeah, definitely. My name is Sierra Golden. I'm a grad student here at NC State. I'm about to finish up, fingers crossed, my Master's of Fine Arts in Poetry Writing. I'm from Washington State, and I guess the context for my poems is that I spend my summers in Alaska working on a commercial fishing boat. Alrighty, so... um. Do all of your poems have to do with this, or 
All of the poems that I've picked out to read today are either about fishing in Alaska or about the people and the places that I visit when I'm in Alaska. Excellent. So what's your your first one for today called? Uh, My first poem is called Hatchery. If you want to go ahead and read that. Okay. Awesome. Hatchery. The last fry thrashes in the empty tank. Brothers and sisters already released. He is stuck behind the green hose, tiny tail flapping, slapping a small smack against the banked walls. He mauls himself, thumping his pencil-thin body against blue plastic hard as concrete. Bent over the wall at my waist, I fish him out of the last half inch of water, the size of a small pocket knife in my palm, but lighter, like a cigarette, so much hidden in the weight of almost nothing. I think, if salmon are cigarettes, then I'll smoke, as if I could inhale their slow, stupid strength, their knowing exactly where home is, the scent of rotting leaves and creek water drifting constantly in their noses, the same as it sifts over a gravel stream bed, as if I would lean back in my lawn chair, drag on the silver carcass like an old-fashioned rolly, feel the buzz pouring through my veins, the calling, and know just where to go. Instead, I walk ten paces and drop him into the still water, watch him swirl away, the ocean scooping him into darkness, its gray shade flat as slate. Very nice. So you said you had some comments on that well i sometimes i feel a little out of left field um living in the south in the northwest it's really common to know a little bit about salmon and their life cycle but i'm not always sure that people down here know what i'm oh, talking yeah, about I don't know much about <laughs> salmon other than that it's a fish yeah so there are salmon hatcheries um in the northwest where they collect salmon eggs let them hatch and then release the fish into the wild so that's sort of the setting i'm working with in this poem a fry is, is another name for a baby salmon. And I guess the other salmon fact is that um, salmon are born in streams, freshwater streams, um, swim down to the ocean, spend at least two years swimming around. And then when they're ready to lay eggs, they swim back to the exact same stream that they were born in and go back to the exact same spot to lay their eggs. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. I'll roll on through to your second poem. All right. Gracias. Mexicans wearing waders greet us by the ice chute in the afternoon. Splash into the quarter-filled hold, shimmering water still thigh-high and 34 degrees as they pump it dry. Braid tie-ups loop and creak around tar-blacked pilings, sway-backed dock high above the gray mast at low tide. Wet snow clumps down from the sky. Someone hums, you are my sunshine. Clouds sinking over the cannery, lights flicking on before sunset, fighting the damp and dark with one bright flood. They offload sixty tons of herring, the heaving lungs of Jorge and Fat Luis hang steam puffs, big as buoys in the ripe row smell of the hold. They shuffle and shovel the fragile, gape-mouthed fish toward the pump. The cork-yellow moon cracks the cloud cover, shrouds us each in the same half-shadow, Milky scales stick like stars to their neoprene green pants, and I wish that I never have to leave here, weave a home in a real godforsaken place, and work a job no one wants. So, if, uh, would you like to give us any background? Uh, is that a ba- is there a, is this actually happening, or is yeah, there a background story there? I mean, it, there's definitely some personal experience in this poem. 
the workers in the canneries in Alaska, um, the fish processing plants tend to be uh, Mexicans or other minority groups from other countries. Um, and it's sort of the bad end of the stick kind of job. Um, they work really long, hard hours um, and don't get paid a lot for it. So this poem is sort of about my appreciation for them um, and also how much I just love my end of the job. All right. And you've got a third poem for us? Yeah. And what's that one called? This one is called Shame. I squirt a soft rain of joy on the rainbow skin of oil that drifts out around the fishing boat, shattering the sheen into ragged patches to disguise the mess. Later, I catch a small salmon, thin and soft as a runt of the litter kitten, blue serrated collar from a milk jug cutting into his neck, his body swollen around it. Yesterday, I found a beer can in the muskeg, Pores label, sun-bleached and bone-white in the spongy, decomposing muck. I've lost another dozen or so over the side, torn in a rough spiral so they'll sink, shape artificial reefs in steep, silvery heaps. And I've watched bottle caps, a gas can, paper plates, three slices of bread still in the plastic wrapper come up in the net, go out with it again. Once I held a small seabird in my hands, round body the size and weight of a snowball. I found her hanging, wings broken in the braided meshes of the net, and killed her. Tonight I'll find the cold carcass of a wolf eel as the hold is pumped empty at the tender. I'll try to ignore his squashed-up purple face, ragged grimace frozen in place, his needle teeth sharp as shame. Hmm. So this one had more to do with the... uh... Uh, the garbage and the destruction sort of caused by your trade? Yeah, definitely sort of the, the negative aspects of what we do. Although it's it's definitely a fine balance. People have to eat, but we need to find, a, find the right way to do it too. Okay. So basically, it seems like you pull, well, from what you've read today, you pulled a lot from your experience fishing in Alaska. Would you describe your writing process to us? I mean, how do you do you write it in your head as you're doing these things, or do you sit back later and reflect? Um, I ha- actually find it very hard to write about these things while I'm doing them. Typically, in the summers when I'm on the boat, I'm not doing any writing. Um, and what I've really found is that the things um, that are still stuck in my head six months later, when I'm as far away from fishing as I can get, those are the things that n- really need to be written about. Okay, excellent. What poets do you like to read? I like to read um, a lot of different things. Um, as far as sort of older classics, I love John Keats and Philip Larkin. Um, and as far as um, sort of more contemporary things, um, I've been enjoying a lot lately. Um, Jack Gilbert, Bell Waring. There's lots of good stuff out there. Check out the library. <laughs> <laughs> the MFA program at NC State for Poetry and Fiction Rocks. And everybody, we're having a reading on the last day of school, April 27th, at, I believe, 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Caldwell Lounge that is open to the public, and we would love to have a large, beautiful, supportive crowd um, to come hear us read. Excellent. Perfect. This was the Poetry Corner with Dave, and I was here with Sierra Golden, and this was a nice time. Thanks a lot, Dave. It's good to be here.
welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. The NC State Impact Awards are given out yearly to recognize students that are very active in their communities. Grant Buckner recently sat down with one of, his, one of this year's winners, Neo Wynn. CSLEPS recently recognized two NC State student leaders who have dramatically impacted the community with the 2012 Community Impact Award. Andrew Carmen and Neo Wynn are both seniors in the College of Engineering and have been incredibly active in leading while in school at NC State. I recently had the chance to sit down with Ms. Wynn and ask her more about her involvement. So Neo, it's nice having you here today. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so you are a senior in the College of Engineering? Yes. Yeah? How's mm-hmm. that? Um, that's great. It's a very challenging um, department, but it's also helped me grow as a person a lot. Absolutely. It says you are involved in a, in a women's group. Yes. What's that specifically? Um, that's the Society of Women Engineers at um, NC State. So I'm actually currently the vice president. Okay. And I handle all the company relationships and recruiting companies to come to our professional development. And it's just a way to help all the girls um, find their internships, co-ops, and just grow as well. Okay. How is it being a woman in that type of field? Chemical engineering, there's a higher population of females compared mm-hmm. to the other engineering disciplines, probably just like textile engineering. Okay, so you work specifically in the, in the chemical with that group? For, with that group specifically. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a wide variety of engineering females. Okay. Um, I hear a lot from mechanical engineering females that that's their only release, you know, yeah. um, the only way for them to meet other females uh, specifically for their discipline. Absolutely. Okay, cool. And you completed the Campbell Summer Capstone Prep Program. Mm-hmm. How was that? Um, that was a very intense program. You would get up um, for a week straight, early in the morning, 8 till 4 every day, and it'll be just rigorous training for the PCAT, um, teaching you just like a crash course on biology, your math, your reading, um, just to make sure you pass that PCAT with a high score. And it was a, my first dorm experience ever. Yeah. Um, I never lived on a dorm on NC State campus, so that was like my little um, feel for the dorm. And yeah. it was great. So going along with, because you won the Impact Award through yes. CSLS, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. What was the most rewarding experience you've had working with or for the community? I actually don't have probably one specific one, Mm -hmm. but just in general at the learning center I work for, there's a variety of kids um, that need help. They have the same ambition, the same drive that I did as a child, but they don't have any resources. When they don't go home, their parents probably didn't go to college. They don't have anyone to help them. So it's very rewarding to know that you could possibly impact a child there and make a difference in their lives to give them the tools that they need to succeed just like me. Absolutely. How will your community involvement translate into your life after graduation? After graduation, I do plan to continue with community involvement. Um, my company, Merck, that I'll be working for um, in the fall, they focus a lot on community projects. You're even paid for probably 20 hours of service, you know, just to go out and do what you were going to do anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty amazing that they allow that for employees. And you teach English as a second language at Dillard Drive Elementary School. I used to. I didn't teach it. I tutored students. You tutored, okay. Yeah, that had difficulty with English as a second language. And that was a very interesting experience because I was in their shoes. Yeah. I was in ESL at one point in my life. And just seeing this one kid progress, um, he would read to me 20 minutes a week. And seeing him kind of drive away from trying to like look at the pictures for hints just small little steps to make you know a bigger um impact on him reading
Tell us a little bit about the Impact Award. Did you hear about it before you were awarded it? I actually have never heard of the Impact Award, okay. and I was shocked um, because my advisor was like, I think you'd be a good candidate for this award, and I'm going to put your nomination in for this. And I was like, okay, I'll um, fill all the paperwork, and I'll help you with it. And uh, I was I'm so shocked to find that I was awarded. I'm very humbled because all the other candidates and all the other people, I think they did amazing things as well. Mm-hmm. When you're going out into the workforce, how would you say that not necessarily the award itself, but the experiences that you've had working up to this point will influence your life outside of college? Um, outside of college, I think, uh, like for the Career Center, I'm also a career ambassador, we stress networking. Okay. So I think all of these experiences are a great network opportunity to get closer with my advisor, who a lot of people keep in contact with after they go into the workforce. Um, and just keeping in contact with the community leaders because you never know what opportunity may come up. I may be like in charge of a large community project or there may be some person or some research that we're doing. Uh, it's a small world. Yeah. <laughs> so it might definitely come back and affect me that way. Okay, cool. Lastly, what would you recommend to students who might wish to be leaders in the community, maybe specifically at state? Um, specifically at state, next year I highly suggest you apply for the advanced program, which is through AmeriCorps and the NC State community to go volunteer. You don't know how much these kids need us, and um, it's a great opportunity to be a leader. You get to be in charge of two service projects, so anything that you're interested in doing for the community, you get to go out and just put in your all and see the impact that you do. Um, there's a lot of other great opportunities. If you have a specific organization in your department, definitely join and climb the ranks. And I can come- For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Grant Buckner, 88.1 WKNC. Uh, that last piece was brought to you by Grant out there from, from space, I believe, or what, what were you saying, Dave? The Fortress of Solitude is where he recorded that interview. Gotcha. Actually. Obviously, uh, we're joking. There was something went wrong when he yeah. was with the recording, and we apologize. We apologize for that, yes. So um, I was just on the Google, and I found this article, and I know it doesn't really relate to anything, you guys, but I, I found this to be very kind of offensive, the... It's on MSNBC, and the, the uh, headline says, Thick Frames, quote, hipster eyewear new trend for defendants on trial. And basically what they're saying is it's become popular for people that have been put on trial to adopt these fake... You mean like in court? Like in court. court. And they put on these fake glasses, and apparently it makes, it makes you look smarter or more trustworthy or whatever. And I just got to say, I've seen this trend grow for a while and well, i've okay hold on to clarify those hipster glasses you're talking about are like those like, those black like yeah, almost like squarish but with the softer edges the ray bands or, or the um uh, i forget his name super thick framed super black th- glasses yeah okay you know and sometimes they're I mean, like the exactly or, like the ones like the ones i, I wear i but like i said i've worn glasses since i was in second grade and i've seen this trend grow as people wear fake glasses and i've just got to say like does anyone else find this offensive like, it's just, you guys don't wear glasses, but to anyone out there that wears I mean, glasses. okay, touche, I wear lenses. You wear lenses. Yes. And do, do you, does it bother you when you see people that wear fake glasses? Like, they're obviously not real. Uh, I mean, I can understand there's, there is a certain style to glasses. There but is. But I don't think that, I agree, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent, but I do feel slightly towards the side that you really shouldn't, I don't know, uh, 
wear, wear glasses basically just for the style. It is kind of weird it, it, like, because because th- those of us with glasses, I mean, it is it's not you know a disability per se, but it, it's something that it's not it's not cool. It's not the it's not gla- something fun the to, style to deal with. Only came about because you needed to make the glasses look more stylish. Right there, you go. So the, the glasses who didn't come forced- about because we're like, well, let's put something stylish on, on our, faces. our faces. Yeah. But it's like it just seems so silly. Like you don't see people walking around with you know fake wheelchairs or you know fake inhalers. It's just where you know where does it end? Fake braces. <laughs> you know what? What the never. things people that would never do come in the name of style. It's an interesting idea in a court of law, though. When you do the, want to put across an image, your yeah. jury's perception, and that's that's your entire goal is to make them think a certain way see you as being smarter or somehow more innocent by wearing glasses more vulnerable i guess i don't know but it really i find it very interesting uh, i guess maybe that's just me being someone with perfect vision <laughs> but yeah, like, um, you know, the you odd know. one out in the room here <laughs> <laughs> but um i don't know maybe if i'm ever in trial i, I think i'd try it really i mean you you I, if I can get away I'm, with it, I, I would. I'm coming more onto Jake's side here now. After I mean, especially after like falsification. Yeah, you know, like exactly way. like you said, it was it was Misleading. for those of us who have to wear glasses to make it not as bad. I yeah. mean, I can remember being you know eight years old. I can remember being in second grade and having to wear these things, and it was and you're dreading going to school, you're dreading right? Going to school, yeah. and it's like you know, kids used you know it never really happened to me, but kids would make fun of you if you wore glasses. And now these people are like, oh look at me, I'm wearing glasses, I'm so cool. And it's like, when did this happen? Mm, and definitely. it's you know, and what next? You know? <laughs> and it says here, you know, according to the Washington Post, five men on trial for a series of twenty uh, killings in 2010 all wore you know the same kind of Buddy Holly glasses. You know, did it work? Did they get off? I don't know. Um, That's a study. We should do that. Yeah. But it's, and you know, and it's now. I'll have now, to get back to you on that. Now killers are wearing glasses and they're going to make us look bad. So that was, that's, it's offensive. Maybe, maybe I'm making a big deal out of it, but you know, that's just my thought on it. I was just like, you know, this is getting ridiculous. I've seen everyone from Kim Kardashian to Justin Bieber wearing these stupid things. So yeah, uh, another thing I was just looking at was that the, uh, the tornadoes that were going through Texas earlier earlier I, this evening. I right? saw that uh, just a couple hours ago, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I got a couple like notifications and things. They were like, "Oh my gosh, we got tornadoes going through Texas. Be careful, be careful, be careful." Um, which kind of just throws me back to what well, it was around this time last year, right? That that tornado came sweeping through uh, through the Raleigh area. Right? Oh, you know what? I think I remember that. There was. Um, what do you mean you think you remember that? It was a tornado. No, it was. <laughs> it went right through downtown, right? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I remember being. We were in the car and and listening. We were driving driving through campus. And the radio was on, and they, you know, the uh, National Weather Service thing came over, and they were like, "A tornado uh, watch or a warning, I suppose, is in is um, in your area." In effect, and uh, and you know, make sure you seek shelter if you can. Find a brick building. <laughs> <laughs> and driving through campus, we were like, "Gee, I wonder where we're gonna find one of those." <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm trying to remember because I think I was I was at home, and it was. I don't think there was a cloud in the sky where I was, and everyone on Facebook was posting about this tornado. Well, where, where is your home? Uh, out near the airport. Okay. And I was, I was just wondering, I was like, what's going on? And if you go on YouTube and you look, there's a video of the BB&T building right downtown, and there's a tornado passes, like, right by it. I haven't it's, seen that. It's crazy. Wow. It's, it's mm-hmm. insane. So, um, Dave, <laughs> we heard that there are a couple of elections going on in states around the country. Uh, there are. Uh, before today, we had 22 states left 
I believe, that had not had their primaries. We've got today we've got Wisconsin's primaries uh, as well as Maryland's and uh, DC's. So um, we don't have any results for that yet. But as far as who's who's leading, obviously there's we've got Mitt Romney with 572. So he's got exactly half of the delegates that he needs to clinch the uh, Republican nomination, and he's leading Rick Santorum by 300, who uh, Rick Santorum has exactly 272. So we'll see what happens today, but it doesn't look like uh, it's going to change much. Nothing momentous. And just as a reminder for those of you out there, the North Carolina primary is May 8th. Mm -hmm. So be sure to go out there and vote. Register the vote because the deadline is, well, the the deadline to register is April 13th. What do you guys think about the race that's going on right now? Like in terms of Romney, Santorum, does Romney have this thing in the bag? I mean, there was I was reading this thing about a, a comment Obama made earlier today that that seemed to think that seemed to show that he even thought Romney would, would be his main competitor. He's looking at his biggest threats, right. and he sees Romney in the forefront. I don't know. I mean, people saw Romney in the forefront back in November, and suddenly Gingrich came out of nowhere, and then Santorum came out of nowhere, and Santorum kind of stuck around for a little bit. Santorum, yeah, he's kind of plateauing. Gingrich is is kind of down well, see, there. I think Gingrich is hurting Santorum's chances. You think so? Oh, yeah, because a lot of people, you know, Gingrich is basically, he's got this little, imagine where all the people who support Gingrich would go. I think. That's true, probably. Some people would go to support Romney, some would go to support uh, Santorum, but I think I think if Gingrich were to drop out, I think if he were smart, he would drop out and try and boost. There was support behind Santorum. Santorum, yeah. If, you know, that is if he really, really opposes <laughs> Romney. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't seem to be a fan of Romney. None of these people do. Santorum's already said that he would be open to uh, take that vice presidential uh, piece of the ticket if really? if Romney. Romney offered it. I didn't catch that. Wow. Yeah. That's not really... And I saw an article today that said Romney is already ramping up his um, election financing um, campaign there For the to, to raise money uh, to... Go head to head with Obama. Well, you know he's coming. He's coming to Raleigh for a fundraiser in Charlotte um, on the same on April eighteenth, I believe. Yeah, he's coming for a uh, for a fundraiser in the area. Really? Oh, that should be interesting. Um, that'll be interesting. I'll have him. When you said it was May? Yeah, April eighteenth. That's April a 18th. Wednesday, I believe. Okay. That is one week. Nope. From today. Two and a half weeks. Oh, uh, yeah, week and a half. Yes, sort of. I don't two know. Two weeks. Two weeks from today. All right. What about Ron Paul though? <laughs> Ron Paul, we had we did have that that remember that uh, viewpoint we had by Andrew mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago that was talking about how Ron Paul may sweep in from behind and come come win something. I, well, that's his that's his whole strategy, I think. And um, what Ron Paul tries to do is snatch up those non-binding um, primaries. I I don't I I don't think he's got it. You don't think it's coming? No, I don't see him getting the Republican nomination at this point. Now, it's technically possible. It's but. technically possible for me to become president <laughs> at 25 uh, or 35. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, now, but what is interesting is to note, you know, this is with the um, the rise of the super PAC to see all these candidates that have stayed in this late into the race. You know, in previous years past, it was already down to basically, you know, two people. And with the rise of super PACs, you know, being able to pay their way for whatever candidate they choose, they've been able to stay in for so much longer. And uh, what do you guys think about that? 
I'm actually not really familiar with how super PACs work. No, do you know I, know, I know I've heard a lot about them in the news and, and everything, but personally, I'm not really... Yeah, really give, us a, give, us, you, give us a little bit of a breakdown there. You Jake. might want to familiarize yourself with these because apparently, unless the Supreme Court or someone overturns it, it, they're here to stay. And basically, the way it works is they're uh, political action committees, political action committees that are not legally allowed to, um, you know, coordinate with the with the candidate, but they can spend money on behalf of the candidates and they are unable, they're able to take unlimited amounts of money from anybody. What do you mean? Want. What do you mean by on behalf of the candidate? Like in, like, in support of like, um, Mitt Romney's restore our future. Um, I think that's Mitt Romney's super PAC cannot go to Mitt Romney and say, we want to do this for you. We want to spend X amount of money on a commercial against Santorum or Obama or whoever. Technically they are not allowed to coordinate, but what's been going on is, is you have like, you know, top aides like Romney's top aide, is head of, you know, his super PAC. So, like, even though they're not technically, oh. in quotations, coordinating, mm. it's blatantly obvious. Wow. And this is on both Just sides. Just on a technicality there. Yeah. Very and, slim one. At exactly. That. Yeah. And Obama, for the longest time, was saying, oh, the, you know, we don't want to do this. This is a bad idea. And a lot of people say it was the worst Supreme Court decision ever, which I, I personally agree with. But in, in recent months, Obama's been like, well, we can't disarm. We have to, might as well, you know make the best of it <laughs> you know. mm, seems to be helping him out so let's <laughs> well, see it's politics what do you expect speaking yep. of the supreme court have you heard about the uh the Ob- obamacare how it's in the in the courts right now they're trying to come down with a ruling on that well they just wrapped up three days of uh discussion and um i, I was, heard they had discuss. they had um i think i heard they had finished ruling it but we won't hear what they rule until may or june because june. they have to write it up i guess yeah um have you guys heard any of those tapes from the uh recordings no no, no. they have they've got like they recorded the whole thing obviously you no know, cameras are allowed but you can have recorders and the solicitor general of the united states donald b Verilli, was responsible for giving the main He was basically responsible for representing the obama administration in this case and he was supposed to argue why right this law is good it's legal whatever mm-hmm. and if you listen to the, the tapes the guy chokes again and again and again and it's like he, he can't get these words out i guess he's so nervous and you know i guess anyone would be but if you're the solicitor general of the united states and you're representing the obama administration you know in what potentially is going to be one of the biggest court cases in recent memory you don't want to choke especially more than once and um, i recommend you go listen to it it's really interesting i will do that it's i don't know all right, so we're going to take a quick break here. Stick with us, and we'll be back. Thanks for sticking with us. Now we've got Dave here with the Holidays of the Week for you. Uh, thanks, Nick. Welcome to Holidays of the Week. I am Dave yet again, wishing you a happy Tweed Day today. Sorry, uh, what? Tweed. The fabric. Oh, all right. So you can wear a tweed hat or a tweed jacket. Tweed shoes, if they make those. I'm not sure. Um, tomorrow is walk around things day. These can be things in your way or just things in general. And I believe the definition of around can be used loosely when considering this holiday. Uh, Thursday is national deep dish pizza day. So grab a slice. I don't know personally of any places nearby that have deep dish pizza. So if you know of one, just post it on the EOT Facebook wall so I can check that out. Friday is National Walk to Work Day and Army Day. Since we don't have class on Friday, you can just walk around your house a few times. Uh, Saturday is National Beer Day 
International Beaver Day, and Metric System Day. The challenge here is if you can think of a creative way to celebrate the three of those at the same time, just post your idea on the EOT Facebook wall. International Beaver Day? International Beaver wait, Day. Wait, so we have Beaver, Beer, and Metric. Beaver, Beer, and Metric System. Do they have beavers outside of North America? It says it says International Beaver Day. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm asking. I don't. Maybe they swam across the Atlantic. I mean, you can ce- you can celebrate a beaver even if it doesn't live in your country, can't you? What, People used to wear beavers, so maybe that's you know. There you go. Wear a beaver hat in China. So yeah, if you right. if you think of a way to celebrate all three at the same time, post on the Facebook wall. Uh, Sunday is Easter, of course. Uh, it is Buddha Day. And it is draw a picture of a bird day. So if you draw a picture of a bird, make sure to post the picture on our wall of the birds that you draw. Put and we will we'll keep them up there on the wall for everyone to see. And by the way, I just Googled it. There are tweed shoes. Tweed oh, shoes. Yeah, Perfect. So. I'm going to have to get me some of those. Actually, I think I was wearing tweed shoes yesterday. <laughs> Jake, of course you were. Of course you were. <laughs> and lastly, Monday is Appomattox Day and Winston Churchill Day. And to remind our listeners, Appomattox is the site where the Civil War was ended, correct? Ended, yes. The war in uh, Virginia ended effectively there on April 9th of 1865. Um, you know what was fascinating about that was I had a teacher in eighth grade um, history who told me that the guy, the Civil War began, you know, like the first shots were fired like on a part of his property um, somewhere in Virginia, I suppose, or, or wherever that happened. And, and then... um. And then he ended up buying the property that had the Appomattox Courthouse on it. And so, in a sense, he, he was there at the beginning and at the end of the Civil War, which was kind of amazing. <laughs> which is awesome and unfortunate at the same time, because he, he obviously doesn't have very good choice, choice in of real estate. But, Did you say, and it's also Winston Churchill Day. So I was going to say, is that his birthday? Or is it's, that just- it's his birthday. Uh, so make sure to wear a bowler hat. Be political. Be, you know, communicate well look like that day. Smoke a cigar or eight. You said look like a bulldog. You said look like a bulldog. It looks like a bulldog. You ever see him? Um, so, yeah, those are both very history-oriented holidays on Monday. Historical. Historical holidays. Sure. Um, so that'll do it for this week's Holidays of the Week. Uh, thanks for listening. And don't forget to celebrate your way through the week. Thank you, Dave. Next, uh, let's see what's going on around campus. Here's what's going on in NC State. Tonight at 8 p.m., Grains of Time will be performing in Stewart Theater located in Tally Student Center. $10 for general admission and $5 for students. There will be a sneak preview of American Reunion rated R at 9.30 p.m. Tickets are available now at the ticket desk of Tally Student Center. There will be no club sports practices or events at Carmichael Complex on Wednesday. And beginning Thursday, the Wolf Line will be running from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. in 30-minute intervals, beginning at the Centennial RS lot. Easter break officially begins Thursday, April 5th, and classes will resume Monday, April 9th. This is Grant Buckner saying enjoy your break and get that homework done. And now we have the answer to last week's riddle. The answer was a flower. Flowers bring happiness to those who are unhappy. They are placed on graves and they bloom in sunlight. This week's riddle is a good one. It's as follows. A man was found dead in his study. 
He was slumped over his desk and a gun was in his hand. There was a tape recorder on his desk, and when the police entered the room and pressed the play button on the tape recorder, they heard, quote, I can't go on. I have nothing to live for. Then there was a the sound of a gunshot. My question to you is how did, the, de- how did the, the detective immediately know that the man who had been murdered, how did he know that the man who had, had been murdered and that it wasn't a suicide? If you know the answer, be sure to tell us on our Facebook page. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org, where you can also download our podcast. Until next week. Good night.